It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I want to ask you guys a question this morning. Have you ever been stuck? Ever been stuck? Not like in your car or, you know, in traffic or if you have kids, they might eat a lollipop, but you know, kids don't just eat a lollipop. They rub it all over their face and their body and they're sticky and you get stuck. And you're like, what is, what is this? No, but have, in your life, in your walk with God, have you ever been stuck? You don't know what to do. Maybe a better word is lost. Have you ever been lost before? Like you don't know what to do or what your next step will be or where you're going to go. You're not sure what to do in this relationship. It's not working out like you thought. Or maybe that dream job that you thought was going to be perfect isn't a dream anymore. It's, <laughs> it's more of a nightmare. Maybe your little angels aren't angels anymore and they're turning into demons and you don't know what you should do next. Or maybe you're a first-time parent and you just have no idea what this thing is in front of you. One time I was talking, I talked about like kids and stuff like I do, and I was talking about marriage one time and someone came up to me and they're like, so how long have you been married and how many kids do you have? I was like, I have never been married and I have zero kids. And they're like, oh my gosh, but you like talk and act and like you just know so much about kids and marriage and wow, I thought you were like married. But I was wondering why you didn't have a ring on. It's like, I'm not married. I just know a lot of people who have been married for a long time and I get advice from them on what not to do when I get married. Because if someone's been married for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, they got something going on. Shoot. But I thought that was funny. Like, oh my gosh, you talk like kid. You talk about kids like you have kids. How many kids do you have? I have zero kids, homegirl. I'm not having kids, so I'm like 95. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like Abraham. So, so you're lost, and you need direction in life, and you need a word from God. When I was in Bible school, I was in, in this exact spot. It was my second semester, and I was pushing through what felt like an eternity of schoolwork and stress and spiritual anxiety. Most of the people I'd become friends with and really close with left to, to do other things, and, and I, I felt like I was alone, like I had nobody to talk to. With this newfound pressure, I felt like there was nobody I could talk to. What once was a burning fire or a passion or a driving force came crashing down, and I had no idea what to do. I was lost. I needed a word from God. I needed direction. I needed something to do, somewhere to go. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. The only word I could use was lost. I was desperate for anything from God. And sometimes when you're, when you're desperate, you get dumb. Is that okay if I say that? Sometimes when you're desperate, you get dumb and you do stupid stuff and your mind plays tricks on you and makes you do stuff that you typically wouldn't do when you're in your right mind. You get anxiety about stuff and you 
have thoughts and fears and stuff that is never even going to happen. But in here, it's like, oh my gosh. And you start getting angry and lashing out and treating your kids wrong or treating your husband wrong or treating your wife wrong or not going to work. And then you're wondering why you can't pay your bills. So what I started doing is going to people, the pastors, the teachers on staff, or if a guest speaker came, I'd say, oh man, if only they would give me a word from God. I'd get upset when I was asked to serve outside while the service was going on because I thought I knew that if I could just be in service, maybe while the speaker was, was speaking, they'll say what I need to hear. Maybe they'll come speak to me. Maybe they'll come give me the direction I need. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think when you're a baby Christian and you don't know how to hear God's voice, you look to other people to tell you what God's saying. But that's not how God works. He doesn't do that. I'm not saying God doesn't use people to speak to you. He can and he will. But when you're looking for direction in your life, nobody's going to be able to give you that. Nobody. And, and I've seen this pattern in church and with Christians as, as we get in this thing of, well, I just need to go to this conference. If I, I just need to go here. I need to go there. Or, you know, oh, well, LaVon Chandler's going to be here, and she's prophetic, so she's going to tell me everything I'm supposed to do with my life. Or Stacey Wallace is coming, so, you know, last time she told so-and-so, blah, 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 and I want her to tell me everything. Maybe if I can go see Stephen Furtick, he'll talk to me. He doesn't have time for that. I'm not saying he won't, but the likelihood of that happening is very little. And not just with him, with anybody. Because the difference between, you know, because people will say, oh, well, God used prophets back in the day to speak to people. Yeah, that was in the Old Testament. Now we're under a new covenant and we can go directly to Jesus because the veil is torn and we can walk straight in. But we live in a world of instant communication and gratification, and, well, I can text this person and DM this person and follow this person and get an instant response, and God's not like that. He doesn't give instant responses most of the time. And so we're not sure what to do. We can't get quiet to hear the voice of God to hear the whisper of God. And so that's what I'm talking about today is waiting for the whisper. Let's hear your neighbor and say, waiting for the whisper. If you want, turn with me to 1 Kings 19. We're going to talk about Elijah. And I'm sure this is a familiar story with, with some people. Um, Elijah was a cool dude, man. He was really cool. He was one of the greatest prophets to ever live. He, when I read the Bible, he frankly didn't care. <laughs> like if God told him to go to the king and tell him something, he went up straight to the king's face and was like, dude, let me tell you something. God doesn't like you. Ha! Oh, and because he doesn't like you and you're weird and you, you're practicing weird stuff, it's not going to rain for three years. And then the minute he said that, it stopped raining. Elijah was so in tune with God and hearing God's voice that the minute, the second he said something, it happened. So he said, because of your wickedness, because of your just it's not going to rain for three years because, yeah, I feel like it. 
So have fun with that. And for three years, there was no crops, there was no water, there was a famine, the people were in a drought. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, there was nothing. And uh, so Elijah decides to have a, a rap battle with King Ahab's prophets who worship Baal. And he said, meet me up on the mountain and we'll see whose God really wins out. And so he was like, look, you bring a bull, I'll bring a bull, and whoever's God, you know, shows up, that's whose God is real. And so they were up there all day, right? And uh, this dude was on fire, literally on fire. He called fire down from heaven to consume this bull, if you've read the story. And the prophets of Baal were up on the mountain, and they were just hooting and hollering and cutting themselves and cussing and worshiping Baal and doing whatever they do, uh, and Elijah was just like chilling. He's just looking at him like, really? Really? You think causing a scene and doing all this stuff is, is going to work? He said, okay, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm done. Bring me water, a lot of water. And he built an altar, slaughtered the bull, put the bull on the altar, dug a trench around the altar, and filled the trench with water. He completely soaked the altar with water. There was so much water that it ran, overflowed out of the trench. This thing was soaking wet. But what was interesting is it hadn't rained. But he had enough water to pour on the altar. So I started thinking, well, where did the water come from? Because there's no water. Well, it had to have come from the people's own supply because the people had to go get the water. It had to come from their personal supply because there's no lakes, there's no rivers, there was nothing. It was dried up for three years. They were in a drought. So the people had to pour out what they had before God's presence could come down. That's what I got from that. The people had to pour out of themselves and give everything they had before the fire of God could come. And then it did. And it consumed the bull, it consumed the altar, it consumed up all the water, and he was like, bam! What up? And he was on fire, man. He was like, he was so on fire, he started running. Ahab was mad, by the way. Uh, And so his wife... Jezebel, he got on his chariot. Ahab was the king. He had like the fastest chariot in the world. He had like a Tesla or like a Porsche or something. And he like gets in his car and he's, he's mad. He's like, I'm going to go tell my wife that this dude embarrassed me in front of the whole country. And I'm going to kill him. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill this dude right now. So he's driving. He's doing like 295. And then all of a sudden he sees something in the distance. And, uh, it starts gaining speed, and he realizes, oh, wait, that's Elijah. What the heck? Elijah was outrunning King Ahab's chariot. He was outrunning his Tesla, and he made it to the city before he did. He was like, he was like oh, what up? Nice car, bro. And he ran and ran and ran and ran, and Ahab was just like in the back, having no idea what's going on. He's like, yeah. Woo! I'm in the zone. I'm going to take this city back. We're going to do this. 
yeah, your gods are not real, you suck, your wife's lame, my God is awesome, let's do this, let's bring revival, ooh, let's do this. And you know what? It's about to rain. I'm going to make it rain. And it started raining. And uh, it was like a downpour of rain, like a really pretty crazy downpour of rain. Now, in, whoo, I'm out of breath, y'all. I'm fat. First Kings 19. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you in the same way that you killed my prophets. And it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. This dude was just on fire. On fire. He was out running Porsches and Teslas. And now he's afraid and running for his life. He literally called down fire from heaven, stopped the rain. But one text message made him scared for his life. One bad report, one negative word from your husband, one word can take you from being on top of the world to wanting to flee for your life. This dude was like the greatest prophet that ever lived. And one word from a woman brought him crashing down. It says he went into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. This woman was able to get in his head so much that he didn't care about anything. The authority that God had given him, the power that he had through God. He wanted to die. Why? Well, my thinking is, just like us, we get that one text message, that one bad report, and instantly your mind starts going racing at 500 miles an hour. Like I said earlier, you, you become delusional. You become dumb. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to say things. You start acting outside of yourself. Elijah was acting outside of himself. He wanted to die. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. You see, what's cool is even... When he was at his lowest, God still touched him. Even when you're at your lowest, when you don't know what to do, God's still there with you and God will still touch you and he'll still give you direction. He'll still lead you where to go. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There, he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. 
Go stand out on the mountain before me, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So that's what I want to ask you this morning. What are you doing here today? Why did you come here? What were you looking for? Are you looking for a word? Are you in a place right now where you feel like you don't know what to do? Or you feel like, well, if they could just give me a word or he could just say something to me or maybe during the worship experience, Pastor Paul will come and pray over me or somebody will come and give me some revelation or... How many of you are looking for a word from God this morning? Raise your hand. Honestly, how many of you need direction? You need guidance in your life. You need something from God. I think that's all of us. What's interesting is it said God was in a whisper. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't he wasn't in any of, any of the stuff that Elijah might have thought he would have come in. You know, we think of God and we think God is just this big, powerful, almighty God. So he must come in trumpets blazing with horses and chariots. But God was in the whisper and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here in this mountain? Why aren't you doing what I told you to do? Back to Bible school. When I was at Bible school, if you've ever been to to Discovery Camp, that's where the Bible school is. It's on about a thousand acres of land, and uh, there's a lot of space to walk around. So one night, about two in the morning, I was walking around in the field, and uh, I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad that things that I thought God told me didn't work out the way that they did and didn't plan out like I thought they would plan out. And um, I was just praying, or I thought I was praying. It was more like I was yelling, (laughs) expressing my frustrations to God. And finally, when I was done, I said, What do you want from me? And I was outside, and it echoed, Me, me, me. And I've never told anybody this before, except a couple of my friends, but as soon as I said that, You can believe me if you want to, but as loud as someone yelling, but as soft as a whisper in my ear, I heard, you already know what to do, and I get up and go to sleep. This is the only time I can say I've heard God's voice audibly. And when I read that scripture, I understood what what that meant. It was as loud as someone yelling, but as soft as a whisper. That's the only way I know how to describe it. And when I told some of my friends, they're like, what did it sound like? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. It wasn't me. It didn't sound like anybody that I knew. It just was. It just was. 
It wasn't any voice I've ever heard before. It was just there and gone in a split second. And um, I've often thought about, you know, why God would speak audibly to somebody. Because he rarely does that. Rarely. Very, very, very rarely. Um, I think he does it when we're the most stubborn. Elijah was pretty stubborn. He was being a baby. What are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you crying? Why are you trying to run away from everything? You're going to let one word bring you down from the thousands of words that I've told you? You're going to let one bad report, one accident, one mistake, one slip up? You're going to let that affect everything else that I've told you? Why? Why are you here? Get up. Go to sleep. It's funny that we live in a world that desires attention and, and affirmation. And there's so many words that are exchanged between people. My phone has this thing called screen time, and it shows me how much time I spend on my phone. And if I told you, I'm not going to tell you. But it shows me how many text messages I send, how much time I spend on a specific app what apps I use the most if I'm being productive uh, with my phone. I don't think a phone is very productive, but I think last month I sent like 3,000 text messages overall in a month. 3,000 text messages. That's just text messages. That's not, you know, like Facebook messages that I get or people who message me on Twitter or Instagram. That's just text messages. That's a lot of words. Sometimes we get so crowded with words that we don't take the time to get in the Word of God and wait for the whisper of God to speak to us. We want someone else to do it for us. We don't want to do the work. But it's not like that. You know, the Bible says, the paths of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, but God's not going to move your feet if you're not moving already. You can't move an object that isn't in motion. Remember last time I talked about momentum. It's the velocity of an object in motion. God's not going to give you momentum if you're not already moving. You can't have momentum without moving. The definition of momentum technically is movement. We want God to do the work for us, but God doesn't work like that. He doesn't move until you move because he wants to see where your heart is. He wants to see if you're going to follow him or do what you want to do. He's going to see if you're going to take the initiative to pick up your feet and walk. You know, Jesus said, uh, pick up your cross and follow me. Well, you can't pick up a cross without moving. What does that mean? Basically what that means is, is you have to die to yourself. It doesn't matter what you want to do. Because most of the time, what we want to do isn't what God has for us to do. Paul said, the things that I find myself doing, I don't want to do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. 
most of the time, when God is about to do something big in your life, he'll test you. Because he wants to see where your character is. He wants to see if you truly are listening to him, or if you're listening to everybody else around you. Or Robert said it could be 90% man and 10% God, or 90% God and 10% man. So how do you know that the person you went to for a prophetic word is telling you the actual word of God? How do you know? Just because they hear from God or they preach doesn't mean when they're talking to you that they're hearing from God. Some of you are like, oh my God, I'm never going to a retreat or a da-da-da-da-da ever again. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, why are you looking to man when you can go to the God openly? Why are you thinking that God is going to open the heavens and speak to you in a loud, thunderous voice when you can't even get quiet enough to hear him whisper? I whisper like this, you can't hear what I'm saying. And if I talk like this, you have no idea what I'm saying. And I'm purposely talking louder than a normal whisper so you can hear somewhat of what I'm saying. The reason God speaks in a whisper is so you know he's close. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.